there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Elwood City Limits. It's the Episodic Arthur Podcast, and yes, my name is Will Young. Now, this kind of introduction can only mean one thing. It's going to be a little bit of a different episode this week. Yeah. So it turns out that, well, a couple of months ago, before this whole gestures broadly thing started happening, I was very excited to hear that my co-host, Lucas Mancini, would be moving around, well, right around now. In fact, this week, Lucas is moving into a brand new apartment, which is actually much closer to me than he was before. And of course, I was excited because that means, wow, then we have a lot better opportunities to, you know, do content together and see each other as friends even. But of course, it's not quite that simple. Lucas needs all the time in the world to pack, to move, and of course to do so safely this week, so he will not be available for the show, unfortunately. We, we miss him, but of course, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you'll get to hear him next week when we talk about our new episode of For the Kids, which I will talk about in just a little bit here. So it's going to be a little bit of a different episode, but I brought in a pinch hitter. I have a guest this week, and she also happens to be, now that I think about it, one of our patrons. Now, this is not uh, a Patreon reward, necessarily. Uh, she was a guest in our show first, and then uh, she decided to uh, uh, put some money down for us, which we are very grateful for. But when I was cycling through the uh, the Rolodex of ECL guest hosts, uh, couldn't think of too many better and one person canceled. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, then Christine List Cody. She's going to be uh, joining me. We're going to be talking about the Arthur episode in question, which is DW Beats All and Buster the Mythmaker. But this also seemed like a good opportunity to do a, well, a couple of things. I'm going to talk about what, we're, what Lucas and I will be discussing next week on For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast which if you are a subscriber on Patreon, you already know. Uh, we're also going to be giving thanks to our patrons in just a moment, and we're going to be rifling through. I have nine messages in front of me on elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. So I think this is a really good time to answer some emails. First things first, though. This podcast would not be the same were it not for our lovely patrons. Patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. And I'm going to go in reverse alphabetical order this time, and I'm going to start with Yoshi, and then William, not me. Uh, Teresa and Stella, Shelby, Eden Dawkins Law, Shayna Bennett, Riley Stevens, Rachel Pearson, Pretty Cool Stairs, Michaela Gibson, Melissa Avales, Matt, Marla Stanfield, Macy Ball, Lily Warden, Light Relentless, Leanne S., Kristen, Kevin Noon, Kaylin Krogall, Kat, Josias Melendez, John Griswold, John DeLong, Joe Sue, Jake Bailey, Ian Collis, Greg Hagai, Froppy, Emily K, E.J. Acra, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Sierra, Christine Wong, Christine Liz Cody, our guest this week, Shander LaFave Boten, Caitlin Harrington, Andrew Power, Alex, and Aaron DeFilippo. Speaking of Andrew Power, by the way, I was on the most recent episode of the Samurai Pizza Cast. That was a really fun time. Even if you've never seen Samurai Pizza Cats, the weird 90s anime before, would definitely recommend you check out the latest episode and uh, check out all of their episodes, for goodness sake. It's uh, run by Andrew Power, who has been a guest on this show a couple of times. Very funny guy. And uh, they run a tight ship over there. It's a, gr it's a great show. It's really funny. And uh, I had a lot of fun. My time there. Thank you to all of our patrons uh, and past guests included. 
let's head on over to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Now, of course, there, if there's a couple of these uh, questions that may be uh, uh, something that Lucas may see, I'll bring it to his attention the next time that we're together. Let's start it off. Uh, we have a two-parter here from Dylan. Here's part one. Flashback to a few episodes ago. When Arthur and DW are entering Molly and James's backyard, Molly utters the eponymous phrase, you're entering a world of pain. This reminded me of early WWF or E Brock Lesnar, where Taz would say, well, here comes the pain whenever Brock's music would hit. I definitely see that. Uh, and and uh, it reminded me as well of uh, uh, Walter Sobchak from The Big Lebowski, which is uh, where I went with that reference. So I was wondering, did you guys ever try to wrestle a sibling or friend in a pool when you were younger? I did. Surprisingly, people are a lot lighter in water. Me and my sister would sometimes wrestle, and I would give her an attitude adjustment into the pool. Um, so, no, I grew up with an older sister, and we never owned a pool. We always went to, like, uh, we went to basically, like, a country club. Like, now, I say country club, but we're not, like, we're not, we're not rich. Uh, no, it was just, like, a me- like a pool membership kind of thing. I don't even know what you would say it is, but basically we, we paid to go to a pool. Uh, and so, no, I, we were never quite at the age where we were able to wrestle. And I never did that with my friends either. I did do some wrestling moves off the diving board, like, like flying moves. So that's the most that I can say. Uh, never tried any of the scary ones though. We go now to Sierra. Hi, Will and Lucas. I'm surprised you didn't mention that the previous episode, Emily Swallows a Horse, is the first very brief appearance of Emily's father. There's, there is a later episode that shows more than just a portion of his head. You can at least tell that his fa- that her father isn't a rabbit like her mother. Ah, very interesting. We have an email about that that's coming up very soon. Also, I know Lucas compared the nursery song of the old woman who swallowed a fa- fly to the Rattlin' Bog. I'm from the U.S. and had never heard of that song. I had also never heard of The Hole at the Bottom of the Sea. When I Googled it, I saw it was very similar to The Green Grass Grows All Around, which is what I learned as a kid from the PBS kids show Barney. No offense, Lucas, but I think this one is a superior version and hope you can check it out sometime. Huh. The Hole at the Bottom of the Sea, The Rattlin' Bog, Wool Woman Swallow the Fly, The Green Grass Grows All Around. Yeah, these all kind of ring a bell for me, but I'll have to bring that to his attention. Also, that reminds me. Oh, man. I said, hey... Over on Patreon, I did say we we're going to do all the PBS kids shows. We're gonna have to. We're gonna. We're gonna have to get around to Barney one of these days. Maybe just pull it off like a band aid. Uh, another reason why you should be. Uh, why you should be uh, uh, subscribed over on Patreon so we can uh, <laughs> uh, hear us suffer. Uh, we had a couple here from Kelsey. I'm gonna read this one. Uh, been having weird dreams and been feeling super sensitive. Thanks, Anxiety. I started writing the Arthur fan fiction spinoff idea that I had. Kelsey, if you don't remember, I think it was two ECL episodes ago, uh, had a couple of fan fiction ideas that sounded really good. Almost finished with with it. Hope you're all doing well. Weird question. If Ratburn had to fight someone, do you think he would win? And who do you think he'd most likely want to fight? He doesn't seem like a really aggressive guy to me. Honestly, I think that Mr. Ratburn would try to talk his way out of a situation, or uh, he strikes me more as a pacifist, if anything. He's a an intellectual, I, I would say, if he wanted to fight somebody. Um, if he were to get in like a tussle with someone, I could see it being like a maybe a particular school board issue with Mr. Haney, but I, I even that's a little bit stretch, stretching it a little bit much. So, yeah, not necessarily. This one's from Blake, uh, who has two questions. One of the episodes talks about tigers, 
uh, one of the episodes we're talking about this week. And I was wondering if you watched the documentary Tiger King on Netflix, and if you did, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, no, I personally have not. Uh, I don't have Netflix right now. I'm going to be getting it very soon, uh, because at Lucas's suggestion, I need to watch the Michael Jordan documentary. Uh, he, he talked about that a little bit in our most recent episode of For the Kids, uh, The Last Dance. So I'll be getting that probably sometime next month and catching up on The Last Dance. Tiger King, um, you know what? After seeing all the memes about it and all the talking online, I think I missed my window for that. Um, I'm not super interested in, in it aside from when everybody was. And now that the we've kind of crested the wave of its popularity, I think I'm fine. Um, two, what are your most anticipated Arthur episodes that you haven't watched yet? For me, I think the ones that I would have seen kind of in meme form. So, for example, like, we actually get to one today, uh, Buster the Mythmaker. There's another one where I know that George learns about autism, which I'm very interested to talk about, and I have a special guest in mind for that show. There's another one uh, coming up, uh, I, one of the more recent ones that I have another guest in mind for, um, but I'll, I'll say no more about that. I don't want to spoil. Other than that, I'm not, I, like, I don't really know what episodes are coming up, um, so we'll have to kind of wait and see. Uh, we have one here from Lila, who I believe is a new emailer. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, finally decided to write an email in. I was right. I've been really enjoying it, uh, although I'm much younger than both of you. Um, I also grew up watching Arthur and the PBS Kids channel. My question is, have any of you ever heard of the Arthur video games that are out? I saw some interesting YouTube videos on them, which I'll attach below. I'm not exactly sure where you would buy the Arthur video games. It still seems like a fun idea to play them if you can manage to get your hands on them. Well, thank you, Lila. We appreciate you listening. And she attached uh, Peanut Butter Gamers uh, first two Arthur videos. Uh, so P PBG in those videos like finds basically the Arthur PC CD-ROM games at Goodwill. And I think one of them, he also does the Game Boy Color game, which I'd never played. Um, he just actually came out with a new one this week. And it's really funny. I, th I, th I, th I, like, his, I like his videos, and I especially like his Arthur videos. So, um, yeah, in terms of playing them, I, I think I've kind of gotten all I want to get uh, from PBG, I really, um, I, I like, I have a bit of a blind spot when it comes to like emulating these old games, and especially when it comes to like streaming these games. Because you know, if I were playing these games, I wouldn't want to just like play them because I want to play them. I'd love to play them like with a with a crowd, with our patrons, with our listeners, or something. But I know next to nothing about streaming, and uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. I also had the idea of maybe doing like YouTube videos about them, but uh, uh, that's I don't know. It's some I I I have been thinking about them, but really, I mean, if you guys don't know this about me now, uh, sometimes I get big ideas and don't follow through on them. So I apologize if that's any kind of content you were expecting. Um, never say never, but uh, we'll see. Well, I would have to find somebody who can kind of help me with part of this because there's only so much time I have to learn new things. I'm so old. Uh, we have one here from Christine, which is more about Emily's uh, father, which I found very interesting. Hope you're staying safe during this time. Uh, 
I'm not sure if you're covered if you've covered interspecies romances in the Arthur universe before. I mean, why would you? But Emily is our first interspecies character. Her mother is a rabbit and her dad is a monkey. Emily mostly re- resembles her mom, but if you look closely, you can see that she has her dad's nose. And Christine attaches a picture here. This blew my mind. I had no idea about this. Any any at all, but as soon Christine as soon as you like showed me and you and you mentioned Emily's nose, it all clicked into place. This is this is cool. Like this is super cool. I'm way into this. Um no, I actually did not even know a couple of eagle-eyed listeners noticed her dad. But no, I didn't see him at all. So this didn't even register until I read this email. Also, writing this email made me realize that most rabbits in Arthur look quite uniform, with noses that look like Y's, like Buster, or flat pink triangles, like Molly's. Emily's mom is quite distinctive looking, with her prominent nose bridge and almond-shaped eyes. There are also theories that Emily's mom has remarried, and the monkey is Emily's stepdad. Interesting. Another interspecies relationship worth mentioning is that in the future episode, Rattles' mom gets engaged to a rabbit. Oh, I can't wait to meet Rattles' mom. There's actually much debate about what species Rattles is, what his ears look like underneath. His hat change frequently, and his mom's hair covers hers. So maybe he is also like Emily, and that his dad is a different species from what we would expect. I wonder if after Bitsy and Harry's relationship ended, there was a conscious decision to show different kinds of relationship pairings. Speaking of which, the gay rat wedding is really only half rat, since Patrick is an aardvark. That's right. Um, yeah, it's interesting to th- kind of think about, and uh, as to what species Rattles is, I always figured he was a dog. I always read him as a dog, kind of like Fern. Fern's like a poodle, so I kind of looked at him as well as a dog, but I couldn't uh, be sure about that. Also, if you need a if you need a for the kids recommendation, I would love it if you covered Curious George, the PBS show. I didn't start watching the show until it was in my twenties, and I just find it super soothing without being repetitive or annoying. Well, if it's if it was there, it's on the list. We have one here, and I'm sorry if I butchered your name last time. Uh, f- uh, Funith, psychic water type. Uh, I I really apologize. Uh, feel free next time you email in to get, give me a pronouncer with that one, so I don't get it wrong. Uh, I commend you guys for taking on this Arthur journey. The golden era might be behind the series, but that's not to say some of the newer episodes don't have as strong a storytelling stance as its predecessors. For example, a future episode down the line seems to tackle the subject of immigration much more maturely than even most mainstream outlets. It deals with the son of the family who are going through the process, worried that with becoming a citizen means doing away with a cultural identity he grew up with. But the episode manages to not talk down to its audience and instead actually discuss in an almost Fred Rogers-esque presentation of why people like his parents actually take the effort to learn the tools to seize opportunities that citizenship can afford them, as well as abiding by the laws. But in doing so, uh, doesn't mean you're required to lose sight of who you're comfortable being. I think you're talking about the episode that I was kind of alluding to that I'm looking forward to talking about. That's something that managed to strike a chord with me. As a Hispanic, the argument over said topic always seemed to be one-sided. I've had family members deported, but my, I'm sorry, but my uncles have had done multiple offenses without consideration of their actions, and the people were hurt in the process, which is something even their family members understood. Nor did they use that time in those years to go through the proper legal channels, like my mother and father did, or bothering to learn English. Their example helped me understand that truly achieving something is more effort than just arriving at the race. Another overlooked perspective I can think of is how Spanish markets actually sell things at higher prices than domestic stores like Kroger, Tom Thumb, or Walmart. 
The reason for that is because the people behind them know their demographic is mostly first-generation immigrants only comfortable, sorry, the first-generation immigrants only comfortable knowing Spanish, so they choose to only turn to them while cheating themselves out of good deals and saving money, which is why my parents choose to shop at ladder at ladder, the ladder stores since they have the tools to seize those opportunities. Sorry, I feel like I'm losing the plot here, but I think I understand what you're saying here, Phoneth. It's experiences like that which has me thinking back on the Arthur episode in question. I'm comfortable with where I am and who I am as well, uh, and I appreciate the writers on Arthur on their ability to tackle such matters in a refined way. Well, on that, I'd say we agree. Last one here is from Dave Morales, or David Morales, excuse me. Recently discovered your podcast. I'm watching each episode in chronological order. Good luck to you. That's going to be a daunting task. Uh, Probably already is, as we're in episode 120-something. You asked in episode 29, what kind of town has a strawberry festival? Ah, see, I like these. If uh, I mean, you wouldn't hear me at this point, but if you are going through the series chronologically, the Elwood City Limits series, and we say we say something that... We well, like we ask a question. Please feel free to email in. I love getting these emails from, from older episodes. Uh, my hometown area actually does. I'm from Tampa, but Plant City is right outside of the city limits, and it hosts a festival every year, attended by people from all over the United States as well as many people from around the world. Plant City is known as the Winter Strawberry Capital of the world. Well, there you go. Proven wrong. There is a Florida Strawberry Festival, which David has linked me to, and I'm very happy that he did. Always love getting these answers to questions. Sometimes you just don't get the answers as quickly as you would like to. So there's a couple of emails here that I'll be bringing to Lucas's attention uh, the next time that we're together for ECL. And thank you, everybody, for your emails. If you want to send one in, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We welcome uh, anyone and everyone. And uh, But the next time I speak to Lucas, it's going to be on our Patreon show for the kids. And next week, we're going to be talking about something that we, he and I, well, naturally, just given where we are, we don't know a lot about, frankly. I, I think I, re- I learned a bit about it in school, but, you know, when you're learning about history in Canada, things are a little bit uh, skewed towards our country. So there's a lot we don't know about the Revolutionary War. And hopefully, Liberty's Kids can uh, help learn us something. So yeah, we're going to be talking about Liberty's Kids next week, which is Lucas's suggestion. Very interested to dig back into that old show. And that's over on our Patreon. All right, that's that's all the housekeeping for now. Uh, the next time that we're on ECL, we're going to be finishing off Season 9. So uh, there's going to be a lot of content coming your way as we finish off. the. Uh, we're going to be doing the final episode of Season 9. We're going to be doing our Season 9 recap and keep the Patreon shows coming as well. So uh, if you're a patron, you've got a lot of, lot of listening <laughs> ahead of you. And if you're not, you've still got plenty as well. Uh, the next ECL episode, of course, is going to be Binky Goes Nuts and Breezy Listening Blues. Man, I can't wait. Like, even, even, it, like, if we were doing the last episode this week, I would have to say, we got to take a week off. I can't do a Binky episode without Lucas. It just doesn't feel right. Oh, I can't wait. That's such a great way to end off your season. I'm so excited. And I hope you guys are too. And we've got a full episode coming your way in just a moment. We're going to take a break here. And then we're going to have an uninterrupted uh, ECL episode. Uh, when we return, it's going to be DW Beats All and Buster the Mythmaker uh, with Christine Lescody. So I hope you enjoy. Lucas will be back before you know it. And of course, keep listening. We've got a great show ahead of us. 
All right. Talk to you after the break. Hey, everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast. And if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits at ECL podcast. That's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new uh, bi-weekly PBS Kids Review Show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review, you can check out patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Welcome back, everybody, to Elwood City Limits. It's going to be time to get into this week's episode of Arthur. But with Lucas, well, on the move this week, uh, had to call in a little bit of favor and bring back uh, now multiple-time ECL guest, Christine Liscody. Hey, Christine. Hey, Will. How are you? I'm doing quite well. And how about yourself? Doing pretty well. I can't complain. Things are, things are you know, things are... <laughs> I I often I often have to tell myself, listen, this this you're as far as this scenario goes, you're doing really well. So yes. I also have to restrain myself from complaining, even though, you know, my my wife got the wrong brand of mini pizzas delivered, and we're no. just like, no. But that so that's about the that's about the long and short of how poorly we're doing. Yeah. Pretty fortunate overall. Uh, well, Christine, it's great to have you back. And we're going to be talking about, well, we've got a DW episode and a Buster episode. But we also, you and I, were part of something. So we're recording this on the very last day of April. Yes. And the night before, on the 29th, mm-hmm. we were part of a tweet along uh, with uh, the Arthur PBS uh, Twitter accounts for a special called The Rhythm and Roots of Arthur. Yeah, I... I uh... I had a lot of fun. I liked all the little interesting tidbits that they dropped during the the tweet along. Uh, I thought the special was really cute. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Always good to return to to Arthur in any capacity, even when it's not in school. And I do typically prefer the school episodes. So yes, you know. But it was it was good. It it was a little reminiscent of when they went to uh, Grandpa's farm in that one yeah, uh, that one right. vacation one. Yes, you're right about that. It's very much country living, which I got to be honest, it was, I, I, I almost tweeted this. Uh, you can go to at ECL podcast and see we retweeted some of the facts, the official facts, the canon facts uh, that were tweeted out by Arth- at Arthur PBS. Um, and I was so close to being like, man, remember, remember seeing your family 
remember being outside, but then I was like, nah, you know what? We're trying to get away from that. I'm just, I'm going to hold out on that. But there, there was like, you know, seeing everybody playing outside and going for a swim in the mm-hmm. summer and just yeah. having fun. I was just like, <sighs> so there was a little bit of that. Uh, I thought the most interesting tidbit that Arthur PBS dropped was uh, that Aunt Chrissy was based on Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> I, I loved it. Like loved I was, it. there was, I mean, I can't wait to talk about these with Lucas. I got to make sure to write these down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is like, so Aunt, Aunt Chrissy based off of Chrissy Teigen and they had the photo evidence mm-hmm. to uh, to do so. Of course, if you're, if you're not aware, Chrissy Teigen married to singer John Legend, Chrissy Teigen up. Uh, she's she's primarily a model, right? Uh, primarily, yeah. But uh, now she has like a a cookware cooking empire that she's slowly building, uh, and I it's see. incredible. And the entire joke of Chrissy Teigen, uh, if you're not familiar, is that she thinks that John Legend looks like Arthur, so she yes. is constantly posting photos of like her kids with a stuffed Arthur doll and saying, look, the kids and dad are having a great time. <laughs> I, I, I howled when I saw that the other week. It was it's so funny. Um, yes. And so Aunt Chrissy, uh, distant Reed family relation based off Chrissy Teigen. Um, we got a confirmation of Grandma Thora's age, which she's in her early 60s. Which doesn't seem right. To me. No, it's well. See, I guess I always tracked Grandma Thora as older because when I was watching the show, my own grandmother was in her eighties, and so I'm like, well, that's a grandmother's age, right? Which I mean, it's Grandma Thora, pretty spry, so she always seemed like she was still very active, and now it's like, well, okay, she, she to me, like early sixties to me is like older aunt age. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, same. Um, I guess it's just <laughs> how old we are compared to like. Like you said, yeah. when when you watched it, how did you picture it? And it just stays with you, I guess. But yeah, I always but, I always thought maybe seventies, late seventies, early eighties, mm-hmm. Grandma Thora. Yeah, but I mean, I guess when you're you know single digits watching Arthur, everybody <laughs> older than that seems ancient. It's true. And the conf- <laughs> the confirmation we're here to break the news. This is from the official Arthur Twitter account. So they and they were getting their answers. I asked a question, you know, I asked how long does it usually take to make a special? And uh, the director, Greg Bailey, said around 10 months uh, to make one of these hour-long Arthur specials. And apparently Elwood City, canonically, is in Pennsylvania. So thank you, everybody, for contributing all of your theories, all of your... We've had some really good ones, but Elwood, Elwood City, Pennsylvania. I'm there it is. shocked. Shocked. <laughs> I mean, I really thought that we had it with Boston, but Pennsylvania seemed to always be a real, like a top three contender. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I, I can't say that I'm, I'm shocked, but I guess once you come to the end of a mystery, you know, it would, it would be, it would be like if somebody solved the animal hierarchy, which is like, you know, it's fun having the question around and fielding theories and not to say that we still can't, but yeah, now we have a definitive answer and it's like, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes 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 the answers are not as much fun as the journey getting to those answers it's true i you know now we'll just focus on the next mystery that we have to unravel about arthur <laughs> oh and i'm sure i'm sure we'll find them maybe we'll find one in this episode we're talking about here so christine we are first talking about dw beats all uh now um when we first spoke to you the first couple times we spoke to you 
uh, we kind of talked about your history with Arthur. Mm-hmm. As we, as Lucas and I have gone through season nine, this has been mostly like Lucas's time. Like this is the Arthur he watched when he was young. I have right. no idea what these are going to be. Um, do you have any history with this era of Arthur? Oh, I sure do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is this is like the uh, prime meme era of Arthur. <laughs> yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like there seems to be and I th- and you know what? I think that kind of tracks because I mean, if you've listened to the show, Lucas is a lot hipper than I am and you 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 follow him on Twitter, you follow him on the gram. He's got the he's got the top tier meme game. So I think <laughs> that there is something to the fact of like these kids who saw Arthur when they were younger. Mm-hmm remembered these moments that have been memed throughout season nine, mm-hmm. which I would say probably like it'd be this and maybe the first or second season of like the most memes per capita. So um, I, it makes sense that the kids who saw that when they were young, like Lucas grew up to create the Arthur meme uh, movement. There's st- time magazine on their digital ma- website just had an article about, what the Arthur memes are. So we're still talking about, yeah. about them. Yeah. And and there's a big one in this episode that we're talking about today. <laughs> yes, I can't I can't wait to get to it. But first, uh DW beats all. Um so we got us a DW episode here and it starts off with uh everybody kind of organizing things into neat little patterns. Now, I, initially, I was very for this because I have OCD. I love to organize things and make them very neat and equal and all that sort of thing. But then a loud ruckus, like the worst was Fern, like organizing things by color. Like yes. it, they look like jelly beans or something. And then like a loud ruckus, like disturbs them and puts them every, everywhere. And I'm like, this is my nightmare. <laughs> Uh, the the house of cards coming down. That was my nightmare. I was like, oh gosh, no! How long did it take him to do that? <laughs> ah, but you can't have a house of cards fall if you've never built a house of cards. Points to points to forehead. That's <laughs> that that's my that's my take on that one. But yeah, fair enough. If it, I can I can imagine the pain is real. Everybody is having their stuff disturbed by what we find out after the after the title card is the Tibble twins now own a drum set. Ah. Uh. Grandma Tibble. <laughs> I don't admit, like sometimes give her the benefit of the doubt, like she must know what she's doing. But really, this is this is one maybe not exhibit A, but probably C of like, eh, I don't know what kind of a caregiver you must be to them if you're just letting them do this. Now, I will say that at least so Timmy and Tommy gifted a drum set for the summer serenade when when everybody's trying to figure out exactly what it is. Uh, Buster says uh, or no, Arthur says aliens, and Buster's like, "You really think so?" And I was just like, "No, but I knew you'd say that." <laughs> so Timmy and Tommy are gifted a drum set for the summer serenade. At the very, very least, the drum set is outside. Now I know that that's not, you know, it, it, outside or inside. Neither's great, right. but I feel like the vibrations from inside. I maybe I'm thinking about this from an apartment perspective, mm-hmm. but like I always, I feel like having drum drums inside is just as bad if not worse uh speaking as someone who lives in a condo with an upstairs neighbor who um plays the drums uh no. <laughs> oh it's you bad li- you live under the table twins it's bad man it's bad uh, oh my god this is uh, I, I really feel it for you we've gone uh we've gone up there like we we don't want to be like 
we want people to express their creativity and we want people to of practice and, and, you know, like my husband and I both play, play instruments. Like we, uh, you know, we totally understand. We, we've had to go up there multiple times though, because it'll be like 10 o'clock at night and he is oh going hard and we're just like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Do you know and you have a that kid, you live? And you have a kid. She's got to get her, she's got to yeah. get her Z's. It's, it's been, <laughs> and then he's drumming so loud he doesn't even hear us knocking. So I, I really, I really feel for Arthur in this episode on a deep level. <laughs> oh, brother. It's just, I mean, that's, that's, that stinks. And uh, I mean, and you know what? In that situation, you have to, the, the person owning the drum set has to understand the power that they have and be like, okay, I need to, I need to take charge here. I need to be the adult in this situation. Right. Now, granted, I'm guessing that these aren't two three-year-olds who are <laughs> piloting the drum set above you. But, um, yeah, uh, Mrs. Tibble just kind of like, oh, yes, they get to, you know, they're so creative, and now they get to be in the summer serenade. Ignorant parents, one of my least favorite tropes. Like, ignorant to the point of, like, like clearly looking at the Tibbles causing mischief and causing everybody to be unhappy and just be like just i mean yeah it's she knows already that they are they are well known in elwood city as being troublemakers and then she buys them a drum set puts it outside like is she is she completely aloof is she inconsiderate what what's going on with mrs tipple you just have to know that this is not the kind of energy that you burn off or else it would have by now. <laughs> it's the type of thing that needs to be managed instead. Um, DW's interested in the drum set, and she comes by with her um, with her tambourine. But the Tibbles make fun of her because it's you know pretty pretty piddly compared to their big old drum set. So DW imagines getting this like Tommy Lee from Motley Crue drum rig, <laughs> this like enormous <laughs> drum set. I thought it was really really funny. And it's it's so loud in her imagination that it destroys the Tibbles drum set from blocks away, and they run crying to Mrs. Tibble. <laughs> I love whenever DW has a fantasy that's just so out. DW and Buster both they have these crazy fantasies that are so outlandish that I'm just like I'm impressed. <laughs> well, DWs are always ti- almost always tinged with like a side of the vindictive. Yes, like it's always to gain revenge or to make somebody unhappy. Like it it also has the secondary effect of like so it destroys the Tibbles drum set and then Arthur hears like hears the drum set playing and he breaks down in tears <laughs> playing piano saying, "I'll never be as loud as DW." <laughs> Which doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's also just like, well, Arthur never really makes sense in DW's imagination. So anything to like, hey, if it has the knock-on effect of uh, making Arthur's life miserable, then it's all gravy from right. there. And also, <laughs> it, it illustrates the fact that like DW does not, you know, she's, what is she, four, three? She doesn't understand yeah. anything that's happening around her. So it's just getting that perspective of what is happening in a child's brain when they mm-hmm. want something or when they want to explore something or try something or why they want to be better than the people around them. It's 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 interesting. She also has an imagination. So she's begging Mom Reed to buy her a drum set and just like, no, hard no. <laughs> uh, she's just going to have to go with, with her original plan for the summer serenade, which is the tambourine. She has a she has a she has a dream that night where, you know, the Tibbles wow everybody with their drum skills. And then Mr. Haney is the MC in both her dream and real life and introduces 
Next, we have D.W. Reed and her crummy little tambourine. (laughs) There's some good laugh lines in this episode. Like, that one actually, like, that and the line about uh, Arthur suggesting aliens, like, really both got me. I I was also kind of struck by by him saying the crummy little tambourine, because I was like, I don't know how often they say crummy on this show. (laughs) Not very often. It's like the closest you can get to crappy yeah. uh, on like a G-rated show. I remember I was thinking about this one recently. It was in um, a much earlier episode. Some of our fans may know off by heart. Uh, when in an, when in her imagination, uh, Mom Reed refers to him as that clunky Arthur. Yeah. I th- I think we have an episode of this of this podcast with that name, so that's where we kind of talk about it there. But <laughs> clunky, crummy, it's all like you know the this week in uh, child's swear substitutes. <laughs> it's just a it's just a margarine tub with I can't believe it's not crap. Yeah, yeah. DW sees uh, Arthur and his friends practicing their instruments in the garage and decides to give them each a whirl because the idea is that she'll be so good at it or it'll make such... She It's not that she wants to be good at it. She wants to make more noise than the Tibbles. Mm-hmm. So she tries out, like, Buster's got his tuba there, DW, <laughs> in her imagination, plays the tuba. She plays, like, the brown note on the tuba. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like, blasts the Tibbles off the stage again. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> Um, and I gotta say, like, we have had many, many episodes where it's like, oh, these Tibble twins, they're menaces, they're annoying, they're inconsiderate, they're like heartless little monsters. So even though it's just in her imagination, it does please me, maybe more than it should, to see the Tibbles messed with. Oh, of course. I can't yeah, stand the Tibbles. Oh, yeah, me neither. I'm like 10 times their age, but I'm just like, <laughs> yes, yes. So maybe there's, maybe, maybe that speaks more to me. Um, <laughs> Uh, DW tries Fern, Fern apparently plays the clarinet which uh, I guess is kind of a new thing for her character um, and tries Francine's drum set but uh, no they they catch her and uh, Francine tries to impress on her that it's like it's not that you it's not that you want to make noise with instruments it's that you want to be good at playing them and that takes practice which DW's not interested in that's also a callback to Francine practicing the drums uh, when she was going to be in the talent show and uh, she was trying to drum and sing at the same time and she, she just couldn't yeah. get it right. So it was like the imparting of the wisdom, like, hey, I've been here. Yeah, actually, that is a good that is a good callback. I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, so uh, <laughs> DW is playing with baby Kate, seemingly of her own free will. She, like, brings Kate out to the swing, which I thought was cute. Um, and all of a sudden, Kate ha- is, like gets like super hearing because like she's hearing mom is clipping the weeds. Arthur is, is he playing? I think he's playing basketball mm-hmm. and the super hearing part is where dad's cutting onions inside, like from a closed window. And I'm like, wait, she, is she hearing? Is she hearing that? Is the baby <laughs> hearing that? Well, Kate is, uh, uh, Kate gets more and more unexplainable as the show goes on. <laughs> See, that's what everybody, everybody's always like, we should have, you know, a, a ten, 10 or 15 years later special with Arthur. I want like a 20 years later special with Kate. I want her to be like a super, a super being. Yeah. Or something. She's got a, uh, she's got a lot to contend with when she gets older with Arthur and DW. I wonder if she can still speak with Pal when she's older. 
Well, I don't I don't think so because there was um there was an entire episode about that. Oh yeah, you know what they do they do address that how there's the language that only dogs and babies can yeah. understand. So that's fair. But maybe maybe they have maybe they maybe as she grows up they have like a like an even deeper bond than Arthur and Pal because they like actually were able to speak to each other. Or it's the super hearing. Dogs and babies have super hearing. Could be. Fan fiction writers, uh, you're welcome. Uh, make sure to credit <laughs> me in your works, please and thank you. Um, so what DW gathers from this is that, well, as as Gandhi from Clone High would say, rhythm is everywhere. <laughs> so she gets this idea that everything can make noise, which is something that I feel like a lot of kids' shows have taught at one time or another. Mm-hmm. Just like, you can make homemade instruments out of like this and this. And they even did it in a previous Arthur episode yes. with the one where they, are, where they were all in uh, spring break camps. Um, are I think um there's a reference here. This it's a very reference heavy episode. Now that now that you've kind of gotten the ball rolling on that, Christine, <laughs> I'm glad you were looking out. Um, I did catch this one at the dinner table. Um, that Arthur is going to be in the Arthur and his friends are going to be in the spring serenade, and Dad's wondering what their name's going to be, and uh, Arthur's like, "Well, we were already you stink and we stink. There aren't any good names left." <laughs> I laughed out loud at that. <laughs> which which is a which is a reference to Arthur it's only rock and roll. Yes. And I appreciate that because that's not just the TV show, that's like the TV special mm-hmm. which you're even less likely to see in rotation. Um so DW starts to kind of uh you know, she's got different levels of like liquid in the glass and she's like uh banging it with the fork and just like making music and uh, I have a quote here and I don't exactly remember the context of it. I think it's, I think it's dad and DW and I like, I think it might be like dad asks her what she's doing and DW's like, they're completely different sounds. (laughs) And he's just like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Like it makes it, well, it makes sense to you kid. Like that kind of thing. I was kind of surprised by how dismissive uh, dad and mom were of DW at the beginning of this episode, because I feel like they're, they're normally, you know, at, at the very least, they're like, all right, DW, okay. And and this time they were just, whatever. It's nothing. Nothing's happening. Let's keep talking to mm-hmm. Arthur about his thing. And I was like, hey, this is why DW has this complex to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she, like, the background of the rest of, of most of the rest of this episode is that she's finding all these household items that make noise for this project that she's cobbling together and it's uh, taking over her life to the point where she doesn't even care that Mary Mukow is on. <laughs> one of these one of these instruments is well see Christine I'm glad you're here because among the two of us you are the one who has had the baby. Mm-hmm. DW makes an instrument out of Kate by like scrunching her face yeah. to make her cry in a higher pitch. Mm. I feel like that's not a real thing. I don't think so. No. <laughs> Just checking, like it's fine. But I was just like, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't track with me. I mean, there, there's times when like you can tickle in a specific spot and it makes your baby giggle a different yes. pitch, but like not, not a cry pitch with a scrunched face. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. So yeah, DW is going to like yard sales. She's like digging around everywhere in the house to find stuff for this project she's working on. That is so. That is incredibly secretive. We have no idea what it is. So she manages to haul it to the spring serenade. The Tibbles do their thing. 
on stage and everybody hates it. It's just them wailing on the drums. <laughs> I was really hoping that I was hoping that when they entered, like when Haney gave them their introduction, that the Tibbles would get booed. Like people would know who they are and be like, boo. I, I was actually surprised because while they were you know, doing their thing, they're the the people in the crowd were complaining. They're like, "This is terrible! I'm leaving!" And I was like, <laughs> "I like how people are packing up their stuff to leave when these like four year olds, these two very small children, <laughs> and they're really picky and kind of mean about this free concert in the park, presume presumably performed exclusively by children and emceed by the school principal." <laughs> Well, it's like it's like yeah, it's like it's one thing to pay a hundred dollars for tickets to like Carnegie Hall, right? But it's like you know, like just ride it out. They're kids. You're right. It is. It is a little bit cutthroat to be like, oh, I'm leaving. How rough. <laughs> and then finally, DW brings out her. I can't put enough quotes around instrument, but basically, I'm tr- I'm gonna try and describe it here. Dad wheels out kind of this. Um, what would you what would you call it? Christine, I'm not great with descriptive with descriptive it's, language. Uh, it's it's a like man made one woman show. Like she's got the pedals, she's got the sandpaper on her shoes, she's mm-hmm. got uh, everything is just kind of jigged together. Um, I, I forget what is, what is that kinetic machine called? Uh, like the simple ones that you can make when you're a little kid uh, in science class, like where you you um, throw down the marble. It's got a specific name that I can't. Oh, 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 what is it? Listeners at home are probably like yelling at it right now. Oh no! But it's it's got like so, it's one it's of got those. like someone's name. Yeah, it's it's got someone's name oh. in it, but it's it's one of Rube, Rube Goldberg. There you Rube go, Goldberg. Rube Goldberg. It's kind of like a Rube Goldberg <sighs> machine. Like uh, as soon as she lets loose one thing, all of the different components start going, and it's you know the 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 sound f- like farmer arrow finder thing, and the the bags and the the doll that squeeze like when it squeezes and like yells and stuff like everything is timed perfectly together it's really a kind of seeing is believing sort of thing and i have to give props to the animators and everybody who like put this together because it's like you have to think of how how one goes into the other because it's like there's a metronome that controls a hammer and the hammer goes on to like a the top of a trash can lid dw is specifically using one of those farmer wheels where only one of the sounds works Mm -hmm. There's a doll, there's like one of her dolls on like a rotating circle thing. There's something to scratch sandpaper. It you're really you're right. It is a one-woman show. It reminds me of uh Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins, yes. where he's got like the one of those things, except it's rolled out on a dolly and it's like a performance station. It's not what I would I wouldn't call it good, but it's experimental. Yeah. And I feel like like there's there's not really a tune that she has going on as much, but I really appreciate what she's trying to do, and I think it's incredibly creative. It, I mean, for a very small kindergarten, presumably aged child, I mean, to put that together, like DW should automatically get a scholarship to Juilliard for that. <laughs> Absolutely, this is like some of the art stuff we were seeing the season before. The season before, or was it earlier this season with like? With Muffy and uh, her artist friends, mm-hmm. like with some of those installations, yeah. it, it really is an installation more than a more than an instrument. Well, and what I liked about this was, you know, we've seen DW do like the I'm really into music in the past, like with Yo-Yo Ma, and like you know, you bring in someone to teach her a lesson, and all of a sudden she's obsessed with it. Uh, but in yeah. this case, like DW just 
took this upon herself, figured it out. They didn't try to tie it into, you know, a an acclaimed street performer who does this or anything like that. Uh, and they they just let her be a clever little girl. And I really liked that because I feel like seeing her use sound and use her imagination, I feel like that's a really good message to to send to little kids to be creative. Yeah, no, I agree. And creative in a way you don't normally see on television. This is so out out of the box mm-hmm. and like outsider arty. It's really cool. So DW wins her like I don't know if it's not really a competition, but she like um she gets huge applause. In fact, she gets an encore. Uh, everybody loved it that much, which I thought was, you know, it's it's got to serve the story right. for sure. But it's also like, I don't think this would be the reaction, but it's fine. It's, you know, it's a kid, <laughs> kid show. So DW, uh, the Tibbles afterwards, like beg her like to see the instrument. And she's like, you know what? You can have it. Like, I don't really want it anymore. So they get to take it home. It's all in like boxes and stuff like that. And DW's just like, I, I've got an idea for an even bigger one. And that's kind of the, that's, it's a cliffhanger. We don't, we don't know where she's going to go with that one. We know it's got something to do with hubcaps. Yes. Because <laughs> she, she, get, she gets the sound off of the Reed family uh, car's hubcap. So from music to myths, our Buster episode is called Buster the Myth Maker. Yeah. And it's, and the, vi- the exact beginning of it is Crinkle Chaw Bubblegum. That's 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 a fun one to say. Crinkle chaw. <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's not quite as alliterative and silly as double bubble, but it's right. also just like you roll you kind of roll it around your mouth like crinkle chaw. It doesn't sound like bubble gum I want to have either. <laughs> no, it's kind of like that ham flavored bubble gum from uh, Futurama. Yeah. It's just like ugh. Just kind of turns your stomach a little bit. So Arthur is buying crinkle chaw from the sugar bowl, uh, like sh- uh, like sugary gum. And Buster's like, hey, did you hear that uh, crinkle chaw bubble gum is actually made from grasshopper eyeballs? <laughs> and to which point I was like, oh, no, it's fake news, Buster. I love gullible conspiracy mode, Buster. <laughs> See, I get I get that. But there's also a part of me that's like this it's I think we said this, you know, back in season one when we were talking about it, uh, the episode Buster Breitbart Baxter. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know, this this hits a little too close to home, especially with, you know, what's going on right now. There's so much misinformation going around. Right. And you'd think that people wouldn't believe these absolute whoppers that Buster's telling. Now, of course, he's not lying. He's just has heard this on the Internet, mm-hmm. as it turns out. But it's also just like, ugh. Oh, people would believe this. And Arthur does believe mm-hmm. it. He doesn't buy the bubble gum. Um, I forgot to write down. He has another. He's like going to get a replacement candy. And Buster's like, well, you're it's your choice. But it's you know, it's it's gross in this way. <laughs> and and uh, Mr. Menino gets mad at him. Just like it's like you're driving away my business, man. <laughs> It's like nobody profits when you do this, Buster. This is this is harmful. I like to think the Buster just stands at the counter and does this to everybody all day long. <laughs> just a nuisance. So so that's the idea is that Buster uh is obsessed with these kind of urban legends. Mm-hmm. And we actually we start the episode proper with an urban legend being told by I think it's Brain, I think, is telling this one. Um or no, it is it is Buster. Yeah. It's that 
in the band Muda Crude, which was uh, referenced a couple of episodes mm-hmm. ago, actually. Correct me, correct me if I'm wrong about this one. Like, Johnny Crude is the name of, I think, the lead singer from it. Uh, I and think so. He was essentially he was replaced in the band by his identical twin Genie Crude, which I I only wish Lucas was here to find out if either Johnny or Genie were his throwaway character of the week because <laughs> these are some totally tubular nineties <laughs> dudes. Separated at birth, also. Can't forget that part. <laughs> that's right. That's it. Uh separated at birth twins and uh, one filled in for the other. And it's just, I, I love it. They've got the shaggy hair, the the sunglasses. They've got the, the um the what do you call them? The undershirts, the colored undershirts. Oh, they've got the gosh. jeans that don't go all the way down. He's got the puka shell necklace. Oh. It's just like, man, it's a look and a half. Puka shell and he's necklaces. Got this, and he's got that vertical stripe goatee. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's he's so terrible. He's so early two thousand. Uh, and they both, <laughs> <laughs> and they both look exactly the same. <laughs> so that's Buster's urban legend. Of course, it has everybody's attention at the schoolyard. I wish I could remember some of the urban legends. I feel like a lot of the urban legends I remember from school are based around video games, because of course the one that immediately comes to mind for me is this how cheats would get spread cheat codes would get spread mm-hmm. around like oh in tomb raider you know you do this and you get uh, the nude code for lara croft or or the one that actually turned out to be real like here's what to do to get missing no and pokemon i so, like th- those types of ones so i had two of these i was thinking about one i I think one is directly referenced in this episode. Uh, And that is, I remember uh, growing up when everybody would talk about um, the black power ranger um, from the Mm -hmm. mighty Morphin power rangers. Everybody would talk about how he was missing a thumb or missing one of his fingers. Okay. And, uh, and then in this episode, they talked about in the snowboard patrol, someone is missing uh, a finger and I was like, is that a direct... Kieran, Kieran Moody is his name. Yeah, yeah. Is that a direct reference to the Power Rangers myth? Which is true, by the way. <laughs> is he missing a finger? Uh, yeah. I, I think if you go back and look at like certain pictures, I believe you can see it. Um, okay. Is it the, orig- the original Black yeah, Ranger? Yeah, the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, I think his name is Walter Jones in real life. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that was an urban legend when I was growing up. And then the other one, like you were saying along the lines of video games, was the code that you could put into The Sims to have them be naked in the hot tub. <laughs> Ooh, very good. No, I, I I don't think any of my friends played The Sims, so I wasn't uh, I wasn't prone to that one. But yeah, I, I, the ones that the ones that stick with me are the video game ones for some reason. But there are, of course, all kinds of them. That, that go around. Arthur tries his hand at one, which unfortunately gets rejected. I actually kind of liked this. It was about a guy who went fishing mm-hmm. and the fish bit his finger and swallowed his wedding ring. And then so at the end of the day, he packs it in. He wasn't able to catch a single fish and then he gets an order of fish and chips and it turns out that he finds his wedding ring in the fish that he orders. I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of nice. I thought that was cool. Like, I, and and at first I was like, well, wh- maybe that was the fish that he that he caught. Like maybe it was like a take take this to the counter and they'll fry it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and th- so this is kind of Arthur's version of freaky stories. Did you have freaky stories uh, in America? Oh yeah, of course. Maybe th- I think that. 
Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I was wondering if that was maybe a Canadian, Canada only production. Uh, well, we, I, I think it was called something different here. And it, I, but it was the oh, same, okay. the same, you know, premise basically. So this, I, this felt like a more low stakes version of freaky stories. Cause a lot of the freaky stories would sometimes get a little dark, but that was like, okay, that's one of the nicer ones. <laughs> and every, and everybody completely craps on it. They hate it. Uh, poor Arthur. His his <laughs> ideas just never get traction. He d- he doesn't have his hand doesn't have his finger on the pulse. <laughs> He's trying a little too hard. A little too hard. But uh, Arthur goes to Buster's place, and this is where we find out that oh no, Buster is online. He's finding out all of these urban legends by going onto the internet, and of course, uh, huge Arthur meme alert mm-hmm. here of the immortal quotation that has spread far beyond this episode and has its own life on the internet mm-hmm. no matter where you go. You really think someone would do that? Just go on the internet and tell lies? <laughs> Mwah, beautiful. Wrapped. Perfect. We're done. Uh, it's I've, I've seen that a million times, oh, yeah. and I'll see it a million more. I'm going to be posting it this week on I'm, the social media. Absolutely. How could you not? <laughs> It's just it's just too it's just too perfect and I'm really glad somebody remembered it. And of course it's Buster reacting to the fact that, you know, he's seeing all of these urban legends about like animals and and celebrities and stuff like that and Arthur poses the question of like are you sure all of these are real? And Buster thankfully he's he's such a he's such a sweet summer child <laughs> that he genuinely thinks everything he reads on the internet is true and he and he's just like, "Oh my Nobody, people wouldn't actually do that. They wouldn't just say something that wasn't true. And I'm like, oh, brother. Like he's, it's something. It's something we all had to learn. But it's just really fun to see Buster going through that. Something we're still learning, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I feel, like I like I say that because I had my own Buster moment when I was about his age, maybe a little older, when I was getting the internet of just like, oh, not everything is true, mm-hmm. and yet. There are some people that are older than us that uh, you know, eh, could stand to learn that lesson maybe once or twice again. I remember the first time I fell for something like so gullible on the internet was um, around the time Ooh. the early 2000s Zanga was a thing. Um, Zanga? Zanga. It, it, was, it predated Tumblr. Like it was um, okay. it was like your, your online blog diary thing basically and you would it was like if you took tumblr and myspace and like made it more of a journal if you mashed okay. all those things together this was zanga and through zanga i i thought that i had unlocked celebrities zangas and it was really just people oh. who were like fan fiction writers oh gotcha so like one of those ones where like people on twitter just doing this is an rp account right that kind of thing. but it wasn't labeled as such and i thought for sure Ooh. i was a big fan of the oc i thought for sure that i had found adam brody's <laughs> zanga oh page. and it's and that's and that's plausible because it's nerdy adam brody so maybe he would have a zanga page that's mean. Oh, and I was I went down this rabbit hole for hours reading like link, he linked to like Rachel Bilson and then she linked to like Misha Barton and it like kept going and going and then Ooh. at the end of it I was like this is all fake. This is terrible. <laughs> oh no. Uh it's when you it's when you start it's when you start calling in like hey, here's my friend Rachel Bilson Basically. and it's like Mm, something smells a little fishy about this, but hey, I've 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 been you know fooled by things before, and I continue to to this day. Yeah. Uh, so you got it. You got to be careful where you get your online information from, which is an important 
uh, message to learn. So they decide to find out for themselves. There's a rumor that they read online that a possibility of tigers in Turkey Hill Park, Siberian, Siberian tigers tiger. in Elwood City. Because now Buster's realizing, well, first of all, they do look into the fact that, you know, he looks up that um, Kieran Moody from Snowboard Patrol has like six mm-hmm. fingers on one hand. And so they they pour through the footage for hours and Buster's like, there's no conclusive evidence. So the next day, Buster has the secret about Siberian tigers in Elwood City. And he runs up to Arthur at school and says, Arthur, I have to tell you something. It's a secret and no one can know. And Arthur's <laughs> like, then why are you yelling? He's just too excited. So apparently a shipment of Siberian tigers was accidentally shipped to Elwood City, uh, to a farm in Elwood City, and they have escaped, uh, which might explain the recent disappearance of some dogs, as we find out from a cameo from Harry Mills. I honestly thought when Harry was out of the picture with Bitsy that we'd never see him again. No, he makes a couple of appearances. uh, He pops up a few times, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad I'm certainly glad that he's here. He mentions he kind of says that the Siberian tiger thing doesn't sound uh, it doesn't sound plausible, even though technically anything's possible. But there have been some dogs disappearing from Turkey Hill Park. So maybe they can investigate that. Um, They talk with one of Harry's contacts, who is Clarice Vibert from Turkey Hill Park, which this is. I, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Ranger Ruth from the first season? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah. She, she, Clarice is just a recoloring of Ranger yeah. Ruth. I, I mean, like, yeah. She, she's, just a light, she's just a lighter color in the in the skin tone, and that's it. So wow. I just needed to get that out there. And I think a different colored hat. So there you go. Yeah, but she's got a new hat. Um, <laughs> so they they go through Turkey Hill Park. They're trying to find find something and find evidence of the fact that there are tigers there or what happens to the dogs. And they see somebody with a giant cage, like a guy dressed up in fatigues, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he's got this giant cage that could be big enough to trap a tiger. And that's apparently all they need to know to confirm the fact that there are tigers in Turkey Hill Park. They like run back to Arthur's place and are like freaking out in his room of just like, this is, con- like, this is it. This is, the- this is the information we needed. Also, the man, but like, then, falls yeah. out of this tree and, like, whacks his head on the tree trunk as Arthur and Buster are running away. And at first, I thought, did they just, like, commit involuntary manslaughter and run away? No. <laughs> oh, Dark Arthur. It's like there's that YouTube channel, Dark Simpsons, where they just make every Simpsons episode really depressing and just like, oh, that's that's how you do that with Well, Arthur. there is a tinge of darkness to this episode. <laughs> A little bit. There is a little bit of an undercurrent now that you mention it. So Arthur and Buster get an anonymous phone call from someone calling themselves Deep Float. <laughs> so that's a hey. You know what? You know what? Good, good G, good G-rated spoof of Deep Throat. Right. But then just don't have your kids look up what any of that means. Well, my whole thing is like. It's a deep cut reference even for Arthur. Like, if I had to explain the entire idea of an informant and what Deep Throat was to my daughter, uh, I don't even know where I'd start, and I certainly wouldn't want her to Google it. So it's like... No. Because you're going to get a different variation of it if you Google it. You're going to get the original inspiration behind the informant, (laughs) and that is safe search on, ladies and gentlemen. So off, I'm not, I'm not on, even you know, sure that a life. kid watching would get that that was even a reference. So it felt like kind of a strange choice yeah. to make, but we'll go with it. Yeah. 
It's it's definitely a wink for the adults yeah. like you and me. So they uh, go to the Brain's mom's ice cream shop to meet with Deep Float, who is obviously just uh, just the brain in a ski mask, which I thought made him kind of look like a, like a rapper. I don't know. It's like he has he has the fedora and he has the uh, the long coat. Yeah. Uh, but the ski the ski mask just kind of made me laugh. Um, Brockhampton now so he's, featuring he's... Brain. <laughs> <laughs> that one's for Lucas. Uh, <laughs> And um, so he's trying to, he's doing, he's like doing the raspy voice a little bit. And he's just saying, he has a great line here of, uh, you know, he's trying to lead them down the right path of where the information is getting them. Uh, and he says, just follow the monkeys. And I was like, ah! <laughs> uh, that, I loved it. That's That would be my line of the episode. Just follow the monkeys. Um, but of course, uh, Brain's mom accidentally slips up and mentions that he is Alan. And so Brain didn't actually have any information for them. He wanted to he wanted to kind of show them uh, what can happen if they follow dubious information. By the way, um, Brain's mom with the ice cream flavor peaches and crab. Disgusting. <laughs> Yeah, so this is uh, again gonna have to save this for Lucas. We're gonna have to do like a quick, like a uh, like a lightning round of just like, okay, would you eat peaches and crab ice cream? Because I got a feeling Lucas might not say no. Oh God, no! But it's gonna, it's a, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> Definitely. But, but also, it leads me uh, to the question of what is going on in the sugar bowl, uh, because or in Brain's family. What is going on in these shops? Because <laughs> you have the the weird gum that's got bugs in it, presumably, maybe. Who knows if that was real or not? You've Doubtful. got Brain's mom making bizarre ice cream flavors. Like the kids in Elwood City have got very limited choices. <laughs> well, maybe limited choices. They've got incredibly ranged palates. Maybe they just all have. <laughs> they're all incredibly picky eaters, or they have like they're super tasters. <laughs> So they need these weird combinations. Um, so then, so then Buster's like, "Ah, I get it. So you hired the guy in the park to play the role of a tiger hunter." And Brain's like, "What are you talking about? I didn't hire anybody. I'm eight. And uh, and and they're like, "Well, wait a second. What does that mean?" So they alert. Do they do they alert the police to it or? Um, no. They go back to the the zookeeper or the the ranger. I think. Oh yes, uh, Clarice, and and tell her about the guy who turns out is a serial dog napper who is behind all the disappearances of the dogs in the park because he's been using that giant cage to catch dogs. It's kind of heavy behind bars. We watched yeah, a, a man bit, get and... arrested on Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it also, of course, I mean, of course, we see later that he's you know we're talking about the four legged dogs, but there was a moment where I was like. So was a dog napper catching dogs or dog people? Oh. And the the dog napper is a dog himself. He's like a he's like the same dog that Fern is. It's very strange. Anyway, <laughs> it's a, it's a spy. It's a never ending. It's a it's a circle. It's a hoop that never ends. Uh, and so that that's where that's where they wrap it up. We see like this news report of Clarice showing the dog napper being captured, and she denounces any rumors about tigers in the park. And uh, then Brain and Arthur tease. Um, we get like this weird, wholesome, like, don't eat sugar, eat fruit message at the end of just like, they're going to have this like packaged snack. And 
And then uh, Buster's like, you know what might be in it? And then Arthur's like, yeah, it could be like worms or like slime or whatever it is. And Arthur's like, you know what? Let's just have a good old fashioned American apple. And I'm just like, okay. Like, I get it. Fine. Pre- pre- you know, make that, the, make that the point of the episode. Don't preach to me about eating fruits here, man. I actually would have liked it um, if, uh, if like the way that Arthur typically does, if at the end of the episode, there was some sort of a wink to the fact that the Siberian tigers are actually in Elwood City. <laughs> you know what? I could have totally seen them ending the episode like that. You're right. They often do the magical realism like, oh, it was actually true the whole time. And uh, like the aliens yeah, they did, did, they actually did take the snowball. <laughs> Exactly. But no, they didn't do it that time. Um, this whole episode reminded me of... So this this one you probably didn't get in America. We have these um, commercials, and I think Lucas and I have talked about them before. The message, the message from Concerned Children's Advertisers, which was a series of commercials that were meant... Basically PSAs for... Uh, people my age and Lucas's age in Canada in the 90s, they were all about, like, you know, be yourself, like, be aware of how you're being marketed to, but, you know, for kids level. Hmm. And one of them was called The House Hippo. It's one of the most famous Canadian commercials of the last 30 years because the idea was that this documentary-style commercial would be purporting the fact that there exists a thing called House Hippo, which is just, like, they used... um photoshop or whatever to make a hippo the size of a mouse and so it's like the house hippo lives like can live in your home and you know it uh it the main thing it eats are chips raisins and the crumbs and peanut butter on toast and like all of these bogus facts and then at the end it's like that looked real didn't it but you knew that couldn't be true that's why you need to make sure that whatever you're watching is factual like ask questions and don't take everything you see as 100 percent truth mm. So that's that was the that was the message of this episode, and I'm like, ah, it's just like the house hippo. I recommend you look it up. It's oh, a funny I wrote commercial. it down. I'm definitely going to look it up. And let me know what you think. It's it's it might be kind of out there, but that was something that played all the time when I was Arthur watching age. Wow, you guys get some good so stuff. So let's. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think we both can probably talk about our our respective countries being a little bit weird or off the wall <laughs> or even scary when it comes to commercials that we're trying to te- uh, d- steer you down the right yeah. path. Yeah, we had we just had the the so, frying egg. This is your brain on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. I did it from watching you like that kind of yes. stuff. That or like the muzzy kid. Uh, je suis la jumvi. Bonjour, je suis au grand mousi. Je suis la jumvi. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, talk about how we felt about these episodes. So, DW beats all. Christine, what did you think of this? One? I liked it. I thought it was cute. I I love uh, an episode where DW shows people that she's smarter than anybody is giving her credit for. Um, and, uh, I, I just, I liked the, the imagination message of the, of the episode. I thought it was really good. I also had a lot of fun with it. And the, the, the more we talked about it, I really thought it was funny. Yeah. Like there was, it was, it was a very, one of the funnier episodes we've had this season. There were a lot of laugh lines. There were some really funny visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, I always love the Tibble twins getting messed with always here for that. And you're right. And kind of talking through it, it was a very, um, un, 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 unconventional message for kids of just like embrace your creativity even if it's like weird or not everybody understands it because that's cool mm-hmm. and I, I don't like that I think we need to be encouraging more um, 
yeah, we need to be encouraging kids to be a bit more off the wall or just because not everybody's going to get it doesn't mean it's not worth yep. doing. Yep. And then we had uh, Buster, Buster the Myth Maker, which was also a lot of fun. And of course, it's not it, it kind of begins and ends with that mimetic quote, but it actually is a good thing to be able to teach. And this was right around the time when kids were getting more access to the mm-hmm. internet. This would have been when, when I was like 14 or 15. So of course, by that point, I was on message boards. I was on... Uh, I was downloading game demos and all this kind of stuff. So I was definitely on the internet. Uh, so it's always good to be able to teach kids at a younger age of just like, listen, not everything you're going to read on the internet right. is true. And of course that is even like the more prevalent the internet becomes, the, the younger you have to do mm-hmm. it because the internet is a, is a great tool that brings us together, but is also a, a teeming source of misinformation <laughs> and a lot of other terrible things. So you really have to package this to them as early as possible. And this was kind of a fun way to do it. And it was in a way that kind of made you understand that like, well, sometimes not everything is as it seems. And you need to kind of, sometimes you need to actually do the legwork to get the actual information you're looking for. You can't just trust something you see uh, the first time. And, and, so always and also yeah. learning what are the good resources that you can go to that aren't the internet to to find out about something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course a good lesson for me as well. Sometimes I need to look up two or three primary sources <laughs> rather than just one before I make up my mind. Christine, what did, what did you make to Buster the Myth? Oh, I love this episode. It's it's like it. I mean, the, for the meme alone, it's like instant classic. <laughs> but also, like uh, you know, again, it's it's got that like darkness to it. You know, this is, this is an episode that kind of stains Elwood city's little utopia a little bit, you know, with the dog napper and like there, not everyone in Elwood city is nice. There are people who, yeah. who have some, some malice and you have to be very careful of it, whether it's on the internet, somebody telling lies or somebody who's stealing dogs. Like they're, you know, not everybody is nice. Beware. Mount. Malice is a good word for it. It's funny that you don't often think about it, but there's a lot of... I mean, it's a PBS Kids show. It can only be so threatening. Mm-hmm. But our theory is a pretty safe space, usually. So it is It is unusual that we have somebody whose like, intent is to do harm mm-hmm. or to... Or just just simply for their own means. Right. So, yeah, I think that that's a, really, uh, that's a really good way to put that. Well, Christine, that's the end of another episode of Arthur. And I'm really glad you were here to talk about this with I'm me. I'm so because, glad, yeah. Uh, yeah, you no, know, I mean you had some you had some really good points and uh it always it always helps to kind of be able to um to see 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 it through a different pair of eyes. I was already when I was watching the episode I was like I think Lucas is going to say this. I think Lucas is going to say this and maybe he would maybe he wouldn't. <laughs> but uh it's always it was always good to take a little bit of a breather uh and 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 get things from a new perspective. I I wish Lucas could be here with us, but uh, he will be back soon enough. But Christine, in case anybody can't get enough of you and I can certainly understand why where can everybody find uh, you? You can find me on Twitter at Chrissy Marie forty seven. Um, I also host uh, a podcast about Heart of Dixie, which was an old CW show with uh, Rachel Bilson, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, ah, and yes. Is, <laughs> and that is uh, Long Live the Heart. You can find that at Heart of Dixie Pod on Twitter. And uh, I'm also a co-host of The Shipping Room, which is a podcast that breaks down TV relationships. And you can find us at Shipping Room Pod on Twitter. So before we started the episode, we were just kind of catching up, and I mentioned that I'm in the, I'm nearly finished a rewatch of Battlestar Galactica, and I'm not 
no offense to anybody, including you, Christine, who is a fan of the show. It's it's by the end of it, I'm not really it's not really my thing anymore. But I will say the one thing that has stood the test of time. Speaking of ships, is uh, is uh, Adama and uh, President Rosalind. Oh yeah, that's my that is my that's my favorite thing about the show. They are hashtag space parents. They have a they have a ship <laughs> name. <laughs> I love it. We we my wife and I keep calling them space mom and space yeah, dad. Yeah, hashtag space parents. It's like, uh oh, space dad's mad. Um yeah, them I my ship on that show was uh was Starbuck and Apollo. That was my Ugh. that was my big one. I love the boxing episode. It's very controversial to love that episode. Mm. <laughs> the episode itself is fine, but I was just like, Ugh, you you two keep each other. Like that that kind of thing. But fair <laughs> but fair enough. And you can hear a lot more about other types of ships on Christine's show. Well, Christine, thanks a lot. And it's really I'm really glad that you could be here with us. And hey, I haven't gotten the chance to say it, but thank you for being a, a, a patron. That's very nice of you, you as well. You know, I love what you guys do. And uh, I, I really, I'm really enjoying the the trip down memory lane that you guys are taking on the Patreon page. And uh, Redwall, that like spoke to me because I worked in the library. I've said this before when I've been on. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Redwall was a staple. So that was really, that I was bet. good. That was like good for my soul to listen to. <laughs> I love what you guys are doing. It's it's well worth it. Thank you very much. Well, coming up on the next episode of ECL, uh, which will be in two weeks, because next week on the Patreon, on the Patreon, this will speak to your uh, your location, mm. Christine. We'll be talking about Liberty's Kids. Oh boy. <laughs> So we might we might need a little bit of help from our American patrons just to kind of suss out uh, if, we, if if we've got American history correct or not. <laughs> Speaking as t- two Canadians, Lucas and I, and Luke and Lucas and I will be back at it. Lucas in his brand new apartment for the final episode of season nine in two weeks, and I can't wait because it's Binky goes nuts and breezy listening blues. So a Binky episode is coming to end off the season, and I couldn't be happier about it. Oh, binky rules. Binky rules. You heard it here first. And so for Elwood City Limits, my name's Will Young. And for Christine Lescody. Thanks. (laughs) We'll, We'll see you next time.